We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, everybody. This is James Ham. We're about to start the podcast. Before we get to it, let's talk about Prize Picks. Prize Picks is our sponsor here on the King's Beat Podcast. And I got to be honest. I'm having such a good time hanging out, making my picks every game. I'm really bad at it, but it's super simple. You go in, you look at players that are going to play on that night. Uh, You can choose from a variety of sports, a variety of leagues. I choose to stay within the NBA world most nights. And I just choose players that I think like, look, if Damanis Sabonis is coming into a game and I think he's going to get a triple-double that night, I'll look and see what his projections are uh, as far as points, rebounds, and assists combined. Uh, sometimes I'll, I'll go more or less than those numbers. And uh, for the most part, I'm usually wrong. Uh, but either way, it's really cool. And it adds just another layer to watching the game each and every night. I've had some good times. Uh, I've had some bad times. Uh, but at the same time, you know, as long as you're you're looking at these things responsibly and uh, you know taking it easy and just and just having fun with it, I think it's really cool and it it's a fun way to add something different to your viewing experience every night. So if you're interested in Prize Picks, uh, there's a link in the podcast. There's a link in the email. You can go in and if you use the code Kings Beat, all one word. It, they'll match up to 100 bucks, so it get you started. Every night, you choose between two and six players. Um, you figure out if you think they'll do more or less in their projections, whether that's assists or points or combined things, whatever you choose to do. You can win up to 25% of your money on each entry. And you know what's cool is it's available here in California and 30 other states. So, uh, yeah, give it a look. Uh, use the, the code KINGSBEAT. And uh, good luck with your prize picks. He turns. He fires for the win. He's got the bucket at the buzzer. Weber back to Bibby. Has the open shot. Ladies and gentlemen, up on those feet. Put those hands together. And we'll meet tonight starting five for your Sacramento. Welcome to the Kings Beat Podcast. I am James Ham, Kings Insider for ESPN 1320 and the Kings Beat. 
joining me today, Fox 40, Sean Cunningham. Sean, how are you? I'm fantastic. We're in playoff mode. It's a first for this year for this year podcast and uh, our, our dear friend Brennan Nunez. But you know why I'm so fantastic, James and Brennan? I'll tell you why. Thanks for asking. I'm so fantastic. Why, Sean? The, are you the, so excited? <laughs> thank, great question. Thank you for asking. It is beautiful outside. I know I get called a crusty bastard for hating all things rain and, and inclement weather and cold, but it is fan-freaking-tastic out there. Everyone go out and enjoy the weather while you're listening to this podcast. Hopefully you're like taking a nice walk somewhere. This is the best time of the year because this is when oh, it's, it's so like great. 70s and then it'll slowly creep up to 80s and then boom, it'll be 100 and we'll all be like, oh no, what has happened? Um, of <laughs> course, uh, we're also joined by Brendan Nunes from the King's Pulse podcast. Brendan, how are you? I'm good. What's up? What's up, guys? Uh, just to echo Sean's sentiment, I did get to take a walk yesterday in shorts. It was the most beautiful thing. And I guess Sean Cunningham should have crossed my mind when I was walking around, but we're Do here I now. Do cross your mind? <laughs> Only when I'm, like, sitting there debating song, if I should watch a movie or not. And never <laughs> ends up happening. But... And whether you're going to watch Life or not. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder, were you watching, you're going to watch, we're recording this before these play-in games start. Where are you going to be uh, watching the game, Mr. Nunez? It's live. It's not live, so you can in... disclose... In my apartment was my plan. Oh, you are. Well, that's, see, that's no fun. Where are you watching the game? Well, let's come up with a plan after this. Let's let's have a nice get together, shall we? Uh oh. Uh oh. I am open like the idea. Nothing yeah, but man. trouble. Yep. Buckle Sean, up. do you remember that movie? Hey. I do remember but Nothing trouble. But Trouble. Fantastic movie. I also remember Nothing to Lose, which is an even better movie. That's with uh, Tim Robbins and, and uh, Martin Lawrence. And right? Martin Lawrence. Yeah, yeah. so fan, okay. so good. Yeah, and and the villain, by the way, pop uh, some here pop culture not trivia. Uh, John C. McGinley was one of the robbers, and the other one was Giancarlo Esposito, who is the uh, guy from Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. Oh, the uh, the the Gus Gus Frang who played Gus yep. Frang. So, yeah, isn't know. he the 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 Chicken King? Chicken guy, El yeah. Pollo Hermanos. Yeah, there we go. There we go. Yeah, I was actually I was watching The Wild Bunch last night from like oh wow 1969. I don't know why I've got on some weird old uh, like old film kick, and then I realized that uh, one of the guys in that is also El Guapo from oh. Three Amigos. And I was like, hey, mm. look at that. Uh, he also did voice work in what is the one of the new pixar disney um i can't remember right around this time is when i stop everything and i go hey brendan uh three amigos is a movie that yeah. stars gene yeah steve it's martin, martin Short, chevy chase however we just went through so many things i don't know where to begin so um, i don't i don't know either i don't know yeah. either i wouldn't um, keep up anyways to be honest yeah. you should just be writing all this down <laughs> this is part of your homework later later that's right uh brendan did you see air yet i did Sean, not. have you seen air yet no, I'm tardy on my homework assignment because I had anticipated seeing that before this uh, this here podcast, and that's twice I said this here podcast, so I might be in a mood. I will be seeing it possibly tonight, probably not. I don't know. I'm, I I, I want to see it before game one, so maybe I can do it before the next podcast. Okay. I enjoyed yeah. it. Yeah, I watched it on Saturday. I've actually no spoilers, we've been to the movies no a bunch lately. I don't know. Like, I think I've seen three movies in the last week. 
So I don't know. We saw Dungeons and Dragons, and that was Not that was me. actually that was good. Uh, it, but if you're gonna cover Mike Mike Brown, you gotta you know dive into the Dungeons and Dragons. It's, do do <laughs> I? <laughs> We've gotten along just fine. Uh, that's funny. <laughs> this is where he and I. You know, he's also a hell of a motorcycle Harley Davidson type guy. I wouldn't be able to tell you what that what happens on a Harley Davidson, and we get along great. So all you know. All right. I can't All picture right. that. What, Mike Harley on a Harley? Or Mike Brown on yeah. Harley? Or Sean on a Harley. I, either one of those. How dare <laughs> you. How dare you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, it, let's just take care of business. If you're watching here on YouTube uh, and you don't mind, give us a thumbs up. Uh, and if you're not a subscriber, subscribe here. Um, if you're not a subscriber to The King's Beat, go to thekingsbeat.com, become a subscriber, become a premium subscriber to get invites to things like the happy hour and to get all access to the content that's there, including my long form piece last week on Harrison Barnes. Um, we got a lot of ground to cover though. I uh, like all kinds of ground to cover. I think we'll start with um, like this weird thing that, that I did yesterday on, on the radio uh, where I, I compared the 2023 Sacramento Kings to uh, the, Sac the the Golden State Warriors Golden Age, uh, which was, you know, for the last, what, eight years they've won a championship. And uh, James, let's just be honest. You made some you made some headlines. I, I made some headlines <laughs> uh, unintentionally, really, that it was not the intent was to make headlines or to have a hot take. And uh, I'll thank our, our friends over at 95.7 to game for really butchering my quote uh but oh? like the video Were you taking itself, out of context yeah like i like it was part of there was more context to what i was saying and you know i was saying like look the kings have done something that those teams didn't do and that is like set the all-time record for something like uh like why am i drawing a blank um like not only did they outscore all of those team those teams, but they also had the highest offensive rating of all time. Um, they also had a higher like true shooting percentage than any of those teams, a higher effective field goal percentage. By like most metrics, the Kings offense was better than those offenses. Now, that doesn't mean that they're better than those teams, and it certainly doesn't mean that they are better than like this team would have gone into a matchup against. Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, you know, Draymond Green, Kevin Durant, and come out victorious. I'll even say this. I think that every single one of the Warriors championship teams and the one or two that they didn't win would have absolutely blown this team out, this Kings team, in the first round. Um, like, it would have been a 4-0 or a 4-1, maybe a 4-2, but it wouldn't have been much of a competition. Saying all that, that doesn't change the fact that the Kings offense is here set the all-time record for you know many offensive categories including offensive rating so um I, like i'm not gonna back down from the statement that i made but at the same time like there was context to what i said and i, I didn't think that the context was there and then it gets aggregated and next thing you know kyle kuzma's out there tweeting about it and like whatever like, You're just a shit stirrer, man. What are you doing? <laughs> just the biggest homer shit stirrer there is in Sacramento. No, Absolutely not, not. Like I, I did not <laughs> intend for that. I just like I was taken aback by the way it was like 
the way it was uh, cut up, the quote was cut up. And, and I'll be honest, like I, I said it like I've been in their their locker room during championship seasons. I've covered them um, most of the, like for for five years. I covered them all the way through the playoffs because I worked for NBC. As soon as the King season would end, I would go straight to Warriors coverage. I worked right alongside Monty Poole the whole time. We traveled to Toronto, traveled to Portland, traveled all over the place covering that team. Uh, you know, like standing in the Cavs locker room when they beat the Warriors in at Oracle and like Jamie Foxx and Usher are in there. Like I've covered that team. It's not like I've covered them on a daily basis, like during the regular season. And I have a huge amount of appreciation for that team. I think that they're one of the great dynasties the game has seen, especially in the modern age. And like there was no disrespect, like heading towards the Warriors, just to say, like, look, the Kings offensively can hang with just about anyone. Their offense was that good this year. Their two-point field goal percentage was the highest two-point field goal percentage of all time like there are things that the kings did right this year and defensively they're a train wreck uh but that doesn't mean that that they're just going to get wiped off the board by this golden state warriors team this year so so anyway and then brendan you you uh too found yourself in the middle of a like a draymond green discussion today apparently a little bit uh just what you did out i just tweeted out a portion of draymond's pod from yesterday and transcribed a little bit of it where he's saying that because the Kings don't have, and I'm paraphrasing here, but because the Kings don't have playoff experience that you want to try to pounce on that right away. You don't want to let them get hope. And the plan is to just try to really come out and emphasize that early on. And I was surprised by the amount of warrior fans that are acting like he's giving away a game plan by saying he wants to win game one and two. And uh, he responded to somebody that was acting like he was giving away part of the game plan and told them something along the lines of that they have third grade basketball knowledge. So, yeah, that was nice. So, yeah, but where do you fall <laughs> into this? You didn't do anything. I just transcribed the quote and put the clip up on Twitter. And then, and then a, a bunch of his pod. And then a bunch of people responded to Brendan. Yeah. Like a bunch hmm. of people responded to what was the the quote that I put out there. Yeah. So. And then Draymond. Just, uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm just looking at my mentions to make sure I didn't piss anyone off this week. I think we're good. So, I mean, like, you know, it's, it, there's still a lot of week to go. We, we just started this it's podcast, early. so I'm I'm it's bound to piss on. some people off here. So, yeah, let's, that's fun. Twitter doesn't exist, guys. <laughs> Twitter is not going to exist in like a year from now, right? It's going to be gone. You keep, you keep saying that. I don't, I don't and... think it means what you think it means. Uh, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> Uh, Brendan, that was a movie reference from The Princess Bride. It's fantastic. Um, yeah. So that's an 80s movie you have not seen. Uh, Heard of it, yeah. but I typically just smile and just, you know, let smile you two go back and, and forth. Boys. Yeah. Oh, I've seen smile you in a press conference. Wait. I know you just smiling. <laughs> uh, Fair enough. That's all right. Fair. So let's get to uh, let's get to the actual basketball discussion after like we have to, like I have to do my mea copa about some weird thing on Twitter. Um, which again, I, I, I believe was taken out of context. I wrote on it. Then I'm like, yeah, that's probably not good just to sit there and stoke the flames. Um, but, uh, Sacramento Kings have a first round matchup against the Golden State Warriors beginning Saturday. It's at five 30 at Golden One Center. Uh, if you want to go, um, you're going to have to sell either a kidney or one of your children or uh, both. Because, yeah. Or both. It's possible. You might need to sell both your kidneys and just 
you know, be on permanent dialysis. Um, but uh, it's super, super expensive. Um, Kings fans who want to see the playoffs, I'd recommend just buying tickets at Chase Center because you can still get in there for probably, I don't know, 500, 550 bucks for two tickets upstairs, uh, which you can't do that for uh, Golden One Center. I don't, what are your guys' thoughts coming into this? Uh, we'll start with Sean. Like, you haven't seen playoffs in Sacramento for a long time. The buzz is crazy. We're hearing things like this is the highest ticket price for a first round of all time. Uh, like the average ticket price now, I think is up to like 775 bucks. Uh, but, uh, but what are your thoughts? Like, do you think this is going to be wild? Uh, you mean the series or just the ticket prices? Like, I'll say this, like the ticket price thing to me has more to do with ticket master. And I think we lost James. He's looking at me a certain way and oh, frozen, we did? I believe. Yeah. I think he wanted to know what I thought about at least Ticketmaster before we got to the series because like the whole Ticketmaster thing, there's this surge pricing and um, based on demand, I deal with it all the time as a guy who goes to many, many concerts. So it's not too foreign to me. I think in sports and look, I, I realize the statement I'm about to make is like total like not everyone be careful, can be careful, Sean. I know. Not everyone <laughs> has the the means to be a season ticket holder. That being said, this is one of the reasons how it is a huge benefit to be a season ticket holder, uh, even even ticket plans and ticket options that way. And there's all kinds of different things that they can do. There are usually priority for your, your season ticket holders. You have to pay way out the you know what, uh, but you get a lot of that money back. You can put it towards next year if they don't go as far as, as uh, you have purchased. And it, it's, uh, it, it's like this everywhere. But yeah, because of the demand um, and Ticketmaster, like those prices do go up. Now you also have the resale market and people who are selling their tickets, that's not Ticketmaster's fault. You're, you're reselling your tickets. You are either a season ticket holder who has got your tickets and now you're going to try to make up some of that money from throughout the year. And you know that this game, especially that first one, being that first one when the drought is over means a lot to Sacramento, especially for a team that doesn't make the playoffs. So demand is just understandably high. So yeah, man, uh, I, I uh, for people who can, who have the means and can afford it, um, more power to you. Um, there's been plenty of stories done on all the TV stations over the past few days of people who are uh, doing what they can to go some of these games. But honestly, you know, I, I think it's going to be a cool vibe outside the venue. I think there's going to be uh, the bar and restaurant crowd is probably where I would be if, if uh, I wasn't, if I didn't have the job that I do. And uh, I think everyone's going to enjoy it. And I think honestly, if I was a paying uh, uh, fan, I'd do everything I could to be at Chase Center because it is a little bit more affordable because a first-round playoff series doesn't really matter much to a team that's won four, t four titles in nine seasons. Brendan. Yeah, I mean, I think that the energy in the building will be fun for sure. It'll be interesting to see how many Warriors fans are in Golden 1 as well. I think that the last game that we saw against the Warriors is not a great bar to go off of because just who was or I guess was not available for Sacramento and also I, I think that's a big reason that momentum is going to be so important and runs in general in the in these games because there's going to be a handful of fans for both sides at both buildings I'd imagine and it can seem like maybe there's more Warrior fans in the building if the Warriors are just taking care of business in Sacramento doesn't have any like on-court momentum, then the crowd's not going to 
make much noise to kind of back that up. So I, I think that momentum is going to be a very big thing uh, throughout the course of these games. And a lot of that has to do with, in my mind, a little bit of a split crowd. But I'm happy for the fans, obviously, that have been around for 16 years, 15 or 17 years, 16 seasons. I think I got that right. And get to finally experience this. And I, I think that those ticket prices somewhat reflect that sort of desperation or desire to get to witness a series like this. And it's pretty fun in my mind that it's against the the Warriors that are so close when it comes to uh, just sort of geographically, even if they are defending champions. Yeah, I think it's going to be like really crazy that first game. Actually, the first two games I think are going to be just wild. I don't think there's going to be a lot of Warriors fans because I don't think Warriors fans... Like we talked James, about it on the last James, last pod. James, James, you, you think there's going to be a ton? Yes, there's going to be a, we'll, a good we'll number. We'll see because I'm looking. I at, hope I'm wrong, but but I, I I expect that. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm looking at their tickets for like what was available for their seats down in in uh, San Francisco. It was way cheaper to go to games there, way cheaper, and there are still tickets available. Like you can still go on and buy tickets. I don't know that they're rushing up to Sacramento to see the first game of a first round series, uh, even if it is. I don't, I don't think tickets were available. Uh, I was looking game one. I see, I do see some of the, like the the handicap, uh, you know, limited acts, limited seating, but everything. Yeah, they, those are everything that's up there was all resale from what I remember seeing. No, and that was that was yesterday. Yeah, I, I would. I went on and there was all kinds of tickets available, and they weren't resale. They were straight up. Hmm. They didn't have the the tiered process where they put them all out in a different uh, time. It was all right up front. So, like, there there were tickets available. I, mean, I don't know if there are tickets available now, um, but, like, I went on yesterday, and it was straight up from, like, standard tickets. Like, you could get two in, like, I don't know, row, like, six or eight upstairs for 190 bucks. Uh, plus fees and the fees are outlandish like I, I don't know if you saw some the expensive seats and the fees that Ticketmaster charges for higher end tickets is wild like I, I saw fees of like 2400 bucks for two tickets um, from just the Ticketmaster fees it was crazy um, yeah I, I don't know I, like we'll see we'll see what the, the crowd is going to look like I don't think it'll be as split as what we've seen in regular season games um, but Maybe I'm wrong. I, I, we'll have to wait and see because, I mean, those ticket prices are wild. Uh, but uh, I was able to land two tickets for game five on the pre-sale on Saturday um, for my son and my wife to go. Uh, and it was, like, outrageous. I mean, it was... Cost you a boat? Uh, it Close, close to a boat. It certainly <laughs> was, like, almost 700 bucks for two after fees for two tickets in row F of the second deck. Yeah, maybe maybe I was looking at just at game three, but yeah, it's sold out. Uh, there's a lot of resale. I remember yesterday there was the wheelchair accessibility ones, but that sold out. Maybe maybe uh, games four and six. I'm gonna ch I can check those right now. For, but for uh, Chase Warriors, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, that would be game. No, they only get game. Yeah, game four and game six. You're right. Yeah. Um, so if we look at standard, yeah, of course, I'm also looking at two tickets as opposed to just like one, but yeah. I guess I could, yeah, but two either tickets. way. Um, yeah, so I, I think there is a possibility for Kings fans to still get in at uh, at Chase 
and I expect there to be. Uh, I'll I'll make this claim. I think there will be more Kings fans at Chase than there are Warriors fans at Golden One. Yeah, I'd probably be inclined to believe that. Yeah, I think there are a lot of people who have just been waiting and waiting for this moment. And uh, good. I I hope that uh, that people enjoy themselves and like I, I don't begrudge somebody if they've got season tickets and they decide they don't want to they don't want to go uh, and they want to sell their tickets because um, you can pay for like half of next season with this first game. Like, okay. And yeah. la- some of these people are putting up like uh, like fourteen thousand bucks for two seats for the whole entirety of the playoffs. That's crazy talk. Uh, that's that's wild. I also think, I mean, I didn't get the chance to say this when I, when, before you froze there, I was, um, uh, talking basically about Ticketmaster and, but I, the atmosphere is going to be, whether there is or isn't a lot of warrior fans in there, it's going to be insane. Like it is going to be very, very special. And, you know, someone like myself who, you know, really kind of, uh, got spoiled because, you know, I, I started covering the team, even though growing up here. Uh, in Sacramento, I started covering the team at the height, uh, you know, in '02, and the the loudest I'd ever heard uh, the venue in it, it, from what I recall, is when they beat Dallas to advance to the Western Conference Finals, and that game when they were playing the da na 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 na, you couldn't even hear that song, and I was in the uh, first row of the upper deck and the media seats up there, and I remember sticking out my microphone to record the sound. Because the the arena was as loud as I'd ever heard it, and uh, certainly I think there were there were moments that may have eclipsed it that I just wasn't as cognizant of. But that moment to me would is is always the loudest that I can recall, and I kind of feel like Game One <laughs> against the Warriors, knowing that these teams have never been good or in the playoffs at the same time, let alone here they are facing each other in a playoff series for the first time, could be could possibly top that and just be all sorts of unhinged <laughs> unhinged behavior. I went to the uh the 95-96 playoffs against Seattle and that was wild. That was absolutely yeah. insane. Um and I was I was at quite a few playoff games during the from 1999 until 2006. Um but that first year was crazy. I I just remember like you came home and you couldn't hear. It was like going to a really, really, really loud concert. Like you couldn't hear it all uh, for like a day. It, it wasn't good. It wasn't good on the long-term hearing, the health of hearing. Uh, Brennan, what are you looking forward to with that first game? Like you haven't got to experience playoffs really. I think you've been to a playoff game before somewhere else, right? Yeah, I've been to uh, actually, ironically, a Warriors game back when they were first starting their run. I think the first year that they beat the Clippers in the playoffs after losing to them in the year prior, I believe is how it went. Um, I was at that game and that was pretty fun, but yeah, this will be a new experience for me for sure. And I just hope that from Sacramento's perspective, they can take advantage of that environment. And we've seen games where they start slow. And even if they did say fall down 10 early, like if one shot, two shots go in in a row. I'm sure the crowd is still going to be totally into it, but there's a way that they can just like totally capitalize on it. If they're able to start hot, the energy is going to be totally in their favor. The Warriors are going to have their runs. That's going to be the nature of this. I I think that, I mean, all basketball is a game of runs, but I think this series is going to be even more extreme when it comes to that, just with the shooting that both of these teams have and Golden State being turnover prone, Sacramento having a pretty 
bad defense. So it'll be interesting to see, but the standout thing has to be postseason experience, right? Like this is as extreme as it gets unless LeBron James was involved. And like the Kings combined playoff minutes of their entire roster is 4,283. Matthew Della Vadova accounts for 22% of that by himself, who probably won't be playing. Harrison Barnes accounts for 48% of that himself, uh, just over 2,000. So again, Sacramento's combined number, 4,283. Steph Curry, by himself, 4,977. Draymond Green, by himself, 5,078. Igudala, by himself, 5,268. Klay Thompson by himself, 5,361. The Warriors have four players that as individuals have more playoff experience than their Sacramento's entire roster combined. Yeah, the the game breakdown too is wild. Like the Kings have, if you take out Del Vadova, who like, look, he's he's out for the, I don't know if he's going to play again. He's not coming back. Yeah, he's not coming back. He had finger surgery. If you take away his like 52 games, they have 133 total playoff games combined between their entire roster and it could even you could even look deeper into that like i think it's trey lyles and um and kessler and one other player pj dozier no pj dozier has like 12 games of playoff experience but there's like three guys who have played a combined like 10 games but over in those 10 games they only have like 36 total minutes which is like these guys really don't have any experience. And so, again, I, it's 133 games combined without Del Vadova, and uh, Steph has 134 by himself. Uh, Clay Thompson and um, Draymond Green have 145, and Iguodala has 177. Like the disparity in, in games played is like 817 to, uh, to 185, and then if you take out Del Vadova, Del Vadova like 133. Um, does that matter, Sean? Uh, yes, the answer is yes. Um, <laughs> and it's not the, it's not the de- deciding factor or it's not, it, it doesn't even really mean anything in terms of, in my opinion, whether or not, uh, you pick a team to advance or not. It's certainly like a factorable thing. Okay. Yeah. But experience completely matters because of, the, you're used to these lively atmospheres. You're used. You're used to a pressure situation. You're used to, you know, when a team goes on a run, how to respond and not to not to pucker up, not to try to play hero basketball. I mean, there is nothing the Warriors have not seen as a collective group for the most part that uh, will catch them off guard. And look, Mike Brown knows that. Mike Brown was a part of that. You know, he knows them better than anybody. And it's it's a nice uh you know weapon to have in your arsenal having mike brown on your side but that experience is what keeps people from clamming up and 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 letting the moment take them over now, that's not to say that it will happen but i i think it's something that uh teams advance in the playoffs as a result of 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 having that type of experience it means everything however I think there's a huge freedom that comes with not having that. And as long as you people have people that can hold their mud, so to speak, and are well coached and are disciplined enough and, and not try to go out there and play to the moment or let the moment be too big for them, uh, doing something outside of maybe their comfort zone or something that they'd ordinarily do, 
and they just play within themselves and keep that kind of collective demeanor, I think there's a huge freedom in that because like we've talked about it before, James guys, we were talking like the way the Hawks advanced the Eastern conference finals, the way, you know, the Mavericks have, you know, got to the Eastern Western conference finals last year. I think there's a freedom in, in not having some of that because look, the, the, in my opinion, because of the, what the warriors have done and they have this collection of players that were part of that dynasty and they still are, and they just did it last year. Like this is a team that's going to have all the pressure on their back. They're already favored. They're a six seed. <laughs> You know, you don't see six seeds that are favored. They're favored for good damn reason because they're capable of winning the series. They're capable of going in there, and I'm not saying this is going to happen, and sweeping the hell out of the Kings. I wouldn't bet on that. Um, but, it, like, I don't think anyone would be unbelievably shocked if that happened. Now, um, they're also capable of being exactly the Warrior team that we've seen all throughout this season, which is kind of a mess. And that's the one that I'd kind of lean a little bit more on. I don't think that the the Warriors can just flip the switch and, and all of a sudden turn this into an identity that they're not. And it's like, oh, we were just waiting for the playoffs. Um, fortunately for them, for both teams, really, there's no back-to-backs. And fortunately, you just have to game plan for one opponent as opposed to here's our week ahead where we're playing four different people. Um, this is where playoff basketball is so much different from the regular season. And this is where it gets fun. And if you have a team like the Kings who are – I would say overly, I think they're a disciplined team. I think there's an attention to detail. Um, they're obviously a mess defensively, but I think that they really do uh, focus and, and and don't do a lot of dumb shit as a basketball team. This isn't a team with low basketball IQ anymore. And by virtue of that and what they've been able to accomplish in this season, uh, I don't think they're gimmicky. Yeah, I think they are for real, and I think this team is very much looking forward to the to the opportunity to go up against the defending champs. Sure, everyone is picking to beat them in this series and go out and prove that they're worthy of this number three seed. Yeah, Brendan, the Kings are. I think I read they are the biggest six three underdog in NBA history. Um, like, what do you what are your thoughts on that? Like, why do you think it is that everyone has picked? I like. Most most experts, I even saw someone listed all of the ESPN guys that went through and said what they think. Uh, I think one one person, Bobby Marks, had the Kings winning the series. Everyone else, I'll say everyone else had the, the Warriors in six or seven, from what I could tell. There might have been like eight Warriors in five, but six or seven. And I, I thought that that was interesting as well. Yeah, I mean, the playoff experience is definitely factoring in there. Uh, we went through those numbers a little bit, but even just four of Sacramento's, what I'd assume is top eight of their rotation have never experienced this at all with De'Aaron, Keegan, Davion. And what is the other one I'm forgetting here? And Malik. Yeah. None of those guys have experienced it at all. So I think that plays a factor, but I think the biggest one really is the defense. Like the Kings are 24th in defensive rating is where they're ending the year. And like, Sean said they don't do dumb shit. I'd argue that's this place that sometimes they do dumb shit. Defensively, they have some blunders where it's like, what in the world are you thinking there? Um, and you do that against the Warriors, they make you pay quickly. The same way that we see Sacramento throughout the course of this year with the best offensive rating of all time, like put up numbers in a hurry, the Warriors will do that as fast if not faster than sacramento and they've been doing that they've been experienced in doing that they play with the highest pace in the league 
So if you're missing shots and not getting back, they're going to make you pay for it. And perimeter defense, I, I think, I mean, there's a lot of aspects of defense that Sacramento struggles with, but like, what is your answer for Steph Curry? No clue. And nobody really has an answer for Steph Curry, right? He's going to get. No, there is no answer for Steph Curry. No, there's not. There's no no answer. He's going to get his shots off, right? He's going to make tough ones. But to me, it's about like how many of the easy ones can you limit? Because earlier games this year, he just can't somehow end up wide open three, four times a game and then get in a rhythm because you're lost in rotations. Like you need to absolutely limit those as much as possible. And I don't know that I have the most confidence in the Kings to limit that. I, I think it'll be an interesting test for sure. Um, it's it's going to be a battle offensively. And the biggest X factor, I, I think pretty obviously, is just Andrew Wiggins. I, I think that, you know, people are pointing to this Warriors season and saying it like looks similar going into this offseason as it did last year. Last year, they were second in defensive rating. And this year, they end 14th. And I think a lot of that has to do with Wiggins not being around. We've ta- uh, talked about Otto Porter a little bit before. I think Kuminga can kind of fill that role defensively, even if he's not the same shooter offensively. And then Gary Payton's just coming back. I don't know exactly what form he's going to be in. And same with Wiggins. Wiggins uh, only played 37 games this year. He last played on February 13th and just got back to the team on the 4th, which is going to be 11 days before game one like what shape is he going to be in he's probably the guy as Sean disappears that'll be assigned to De'Aaron Fox I think he's the biggest x factor on both ends of the floor as the guy that was in my mind the second best player on that team that won it all last year yeah I'm I'm intrigued to see what Wiggins looks like as well like I have no idea what Wiggins is going to look like there Sean is back um like I think both uh both Gary Payton uh, the second and uh, and Wiggins, like they're gonna take a couple of games to kind of find out who they are. And the biggest thing with uh, with Gary Payton, like he played with a completely different rotation last year. Like the the second unit was completely different than the unit he's playing with now. He does not know these players. Uh, like, does it, it? Can he learn them? Sure, but we're talking about learning them in a, in a you know crunch time situation. Uh, last year again, it was Otto Porter, it was Bielitsa. There, they had a bunch of guys that were that were part of that second unit that are no longer there, and so I'm intrigued to see what he looks like. I, like Wiggins can come in and be the player that he's been before, but I'm not sure that he can do that after like a 25 game absence and having personal issues off the court that still, I assume, exist. Uh, but you know, some things that, that are, are weighing on him and we're going to have to wait and see what that team looks like. Um, I I know that there, you're going to still rely on the basic core of, of, you know, the team, the the guys that have been there forever, like Curry and Clay Thompson and Draymond and and Looney, like that's going to be who like drives the engine here. But I also, I, I like Dante DiVincenzo on that team. Kaminga is interesting. Um, I think the one big factor that I would point to that I think plays in the Kings favor is that for all of the teams around the league that the Kings have struggled with, it's usually the, the guys, the teams that have this crazy length and athleticism, the Minnesotas, the, the Pelicans, you know, go down the list, the, the Los Angeles Clippers, when 
when they have a full squad. That length is what Sacramento struggle with. And the Warriors don't really have that. And so I'm intrigued to see how they match up offensively, defensively, going back and forth. Like clearly the Kings are a bad defensive team and they're going to have to figure out something. Um, Sean, what is your, like Brendan brought up the X factor he thought was Wiggins. What is your X factor in the series? I haven't answered that yet. Uh, I, I I can throw one out there just for the sake of conversation, but I really don't know what that is. Um, part of that is because this Warriors team and this Kings team are so different, in my opinion, from when they they faced each other three times in the first 12 games of the season. Um, I remember earlier in the year when we were talking about Kings-Warriors matchups, and I've, I've kind of made the observation in, in recent years that it's like Steph Curry isn't ever really the one that kills the Kings this year. He did <laughs> like this year. It's, it's, I mean, what was it? 33 points, 47 points and 27 points. The 27 point game was the one in sack that, that the Warriors uh, lost. Obviously the, the Warriors won the the two home games and those were the ones that were uh, the first two. And the thing that just, it even kind of crept into my mind watching a, uh, a team where, the Warriors were playing everybody in the final game of the season and the Kings barely played anybody. But there was a characteristic that still kind of stands out to me, which is the Warriors, especially after covering them so many times in playoff series, and you're really nitpicking because they're, they are such a dominant team. But even last year, they ran into a buzzsaw and were able to overcome it with with really Memphis and um, and Dallas on their en route to the, the championship. Something that they do, they give up they give up a leads like they're nothing. <laughs> like a twenty point lead can evaporate very quickly um, with this with this Warriors team. Another thing that just strikes me, and and they'll turn the ball over a lot, but especially if you go and look at this last Kings game, the Kings weren't able to to capitalize. They weren't able to get any points off of the turnovers that they uh, created, and uh, that's a testament to the way that, that that Golden State team defends, even when they're not playing their best. I think that was a little bit of a peak. Granted, there was no one playing for the Kings in terms of your your core people, um, but what it did show was that how much you really rely on Damana Sabonis to get your offense in gear and going. And without him, and yes, I know Fox was out, and I know Malik was out, and he's a playmaker for this team, and you're relying on the likes of P.J. Dozier to be a playmaker at times, and Davion Mitchell was out. So it's like you're looking at – or Davion Mitchell played late out after that, but just really, really difficult to get the ball rolling, and that team really put some clamps on on the Kings' offense. Uh, that, that happened at, at certain times – during those first three games when they when they were all together. Um, but I, I if you're asking X Factor to me, it's the Kings have to be able to capitalize off of Warriors' mistakes. And the Warriors are really a team that when they make a mistake, they make up for it uh, very, very quickly. Um, they can let you back in a game. They don't really put you away. But that, to me, is something that I think is going to be such a factor in this series. I don't know if it's a, if it's a singular person. I haven't answered that question yet. You know, I, I've, I've said for the better for all year how much I feel Malik Monk is so crucial to the success of this team. Um, but I don't think that the Warriors have an answer for Sabonis. I think that's kind of proven out. Um, and hopefully he's he's right. I don't know that they have a, an answer even if they try to adjust. And I think there might have been a team earlier this year that went small and threw a lot of things and frustrated him in recent weeks. That could be a possibility that we see. But Kevin Looney 
was or Kevon Looney was incredible last year defensively in the playoffs. He's played all 82 games like Harrison Barnes has with the Kings. Uh, I, I wonder if we're going to see a Kevon Looney that was very similar to the role that he played last year in the, in, uh, in the playoffs for Golden State. To yeah. piggyback real quick off one of Sean's yeah. points there about like the four games these teams have played and how tough the context is when you try to go back and look at those just like as a point of reference. The first game, Casey Ocpala was starting for the Kings, yeah. I think. And in the first quarter, I, I got to watch the first two back. I haven't gotten to the other two yet. First quarter, Rashawn Holmes and James Wiseman check into the game. It's like, okay, what's going on here? There's not much I to go that off battle. of that one. Yep. The second game, uh, De'Aaron Fox is wearing Converse and Malik Monk has a Band-Aid on his face, just to give you some point of reference <laughs> for how long ago that was. It's a Band-Aid on his well, face. Well, you need to point out that, yeah, that, that, stuff, that De'Aaron has been wearing curry shoes. Yeah, you think that's uh, that'll stick? He's got to just... I don't know. I'll say it became an issue. I was talking to uh, Doug Christie before the uh, game, the final game here at home uh, against the Spurs. Was it Spurs? I'm forgetting. No, against no. the Warriors. Idiot. Yeah, <laughs> it was against the Warriors. And um, uh, Doug was sharing the story about uh, him wearing Luka Doncic shoes and how Domas didn't want him to wear those when they were in Dallas. <laughs> so there might be some some gamesmanship hmm. going on there. Yeah, but the last thing you want to do is for De'Aaron Fox to miss time because he switched shoes again like he did early in the season when he started getting sore feet. Um, that's the last thing I think you want to see. Which I'll, may or may not have played a factor. May or may not have played a factor, yes. Um, I, I'm going to say this. Uh, if I'm looking at – I know this sounds really, really simple, but in the playoffs when you cut down to like a seven- or eight-man rotation, I think that Domanis Sabonis staying out of foul trouble – is like paramount like if he gets in foul trouble like just most games you're going to count as a loss and it's he led the league in fouls uh Draymond green is going to try to get under his skin he's going to flop he's going to do things to try to stop you and then looney is just the exact type of player that domas usually struggles against the big strong guy that that won't let you push him around and so I think we're going to see like a really epic battle down there. If the officials let them play, then I think that the Kings have a shot. If Domas is sitting on the sidelines because he's got three fouls in the early second quarter, it's going to be a long series for the Kings. And, you know, they fix some of the things that they do when Domas is off the court, but not all of them. And you, you have to have him out there, especially as a rebounder. Um, and then the other thing I'm going to point out is that I don't, like, I don't like a lot of their matchups as far as, like, how do you... Like, I think you can defend Clay Thompson if, if you just put a guy on him and don't let him go anywhere, right? But and they don't just, do that. No, no one does, and then he burns <laughs> no. you, right? Right. So so if you just, like, put a guy on Clay, that's a problem, right? Um, but I don't think anyone can stay with Steph, and I certainly don't think that Davion Mitchell can. That's the wrong type of guy. I actually like the Davion Mitchell versus Poole uh, matchup. I, I think that that's a pretty solid matchup for the Kings. There will be a game or two where he goes nuts, but there will also be games where he gets under Poole's skin and is effective. But he's not good chasing a player like like Steph, in my opinion. Like I, he's He's a good man on defender when the guy in front of him has the ball. He's not a great man on def I mean, he's not a great individual defender when he's got to chase somebody through screens and over and under and all over the place. 
um, he gets lost in some of that. And so I think it's really going to come down to, does De'Aaron Fox step up? Does he become the defender that he can be? Does he play it out? Does he figure out how to to at least pester uh, Steph while staying out of foul trouble as well? And so I know it sounds really lame that I'm going to go with, like, the Kings' two best players have to play better, but it's very specific, right? It's like one guy's got to play defense, the other guy has to avoid foul trouble. And those are, are huge X factors for me if I'm, like, looking at the Kings' chances. Let me ask you guys this. I think I think I know the answer with Sabonis. I, I, like I, I feel like Domas just do what you do. You make everyone better. You can be a little more selfish. Um, I don't think you really even have to step up defensively because I just don't think the people that you would guard will be that much of an issue. It's uh, it's more of a team defense and, and rebounding for sure. Um, do you need to see a fox, a deer and fox that we've never seen before, or that we? Does he have to be someone different? Does he have to play a different role? Does he have to, like, how do you look at that? Is it, because I, I feel like Domas has to be the same guy the entire time. Uh, Fox is the one I'm a little unsure of, because uh, I feel like, yeah, you can go out there and, and, and play a role and, and play what he is on this team, which is arguably the best player on the team. But there's part of me that thinks you need to be even something we haven't seen before. I think for... De'Aaron, and I guess this also goes to Domas, like the numbers will just be greater because I expect them to play more minutes. I think we're talking like 40 minutes for both of these guys. So De'Aaron's 25 and 33 and a half right now could end up being something more like 30. But I think with the nature of like having Kevin Herter, Harrison Barnes, Malik Monk, Keegan Murray, Trey Lyles, if, if they do go in that direction, like I still think it's more so on these other guys to knock down shots. I, I think that if De'Aaron is, if they're helping off those other guys to slow down De'Aaron, he still should be making that pass, and those guys need to be knocking down their shots. I think that that's a big thing in this series for me. The Kings have six guys that are in double digits and one guy over 20, and the Warriors have three guys that average over 20. They have like four guys that are going to do all the scoring for their team, and I think Sacramento is more evened out. Um, I do think that you'd ask more for De'Aaron from De'Aaron if you feel like you need to have extended minutes of him playing alongside a Davion Mitchell or alongside a Kessler Edwards, guys that might get ignored on the perimeter, then maybe you do need a bit more from De'Aaron. But I think if you're surrounding him by shooters like we typically see, that I kind of think it's more so on those other guys. Um, okay, so what if we point to another factor? What is the thing that the Kings do that you think they'll be able to continue to do or that will be impactful. Like you bring up the fact that they have all these scores. I mean, I think one of the biggest things that like pluses for the Kings is that there is not one guy on the roster that's going to play that you can just flat out leave open, right? You have to defend everybody on this team. And I think with the Warriors, there are guys that for stretches, you may not have to defend like sure. Like are you talking about the starters? Like, cause again, like, Davion Mitchell, you know, obviously not a, a knockdown shooter. Okay. There, there are moments on the Kings where, and, and Keegan Murray, you know, having a rookie, having a rookie, you never know what a rookie looks like in a playoff series. Um, they you could make life uncomfortable. hundred percent. Yeah. You can't leave him on the three. perimeter. Yeah. 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 Um, I noticed you didn't answer the question by the way. And I actually am a little, I'm, I'm, I'm not surprised that Brendan took it from an offensive standpoint. I think what I was meaning more towards is, 
do we see Fox become more of a distributor? Do we see oh, Fox? That that question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I also feel like, and I'll give you just if I'm if I'm Mike Brown and I'm not and I haven't talked to him, uh, practice will begin. We'll, we'll be able to talk to the team for the first time tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, I I kind of feel like we're going to see some three guard lineup, like quite a bit. Oh yeah, like yeah, I like, think so. but like where Davion is a is a is a big factor. Um, hmm. I, I think I think it's going to be an interesting like almost routine three guard lineup. I think this team is going to rely on that quite a bit. Um, when I mean different deer and Fox is like defensively, obviously you know, sometimes he plays a bit different uh, defensive presence in the fourth quarter than he does at other times during the game. I kind of want to see what that looks like. I, I wonder if deer and Fox, if playoff Fox looks different than regular season Fox. And, it, and, and when I say that, I'm taking offense completely off the table. I don't mean, or, sorry, let me rephrase. I'm taking scoring completely off the table. I don't mean scoring because, yes, he will probably be a guy that's scoring anywhere from 25 to 30 points in any one of these games. That would be very consistent with what we've seen at points in this season. I'm saying, are we seeing something different from him, be it playmaking, be it something in this three-guard lineup being um, – something defensively especially in transition like where do you guys land on that yeah i expect fox to be like like he shot out of a cannon like i want to see an aggression level from him on both ends of the court that we've seen in flashes and we've seen these moments where he's great i want to see that for all seven games and and i think that what he can't do is he can't not do it in game one he can't come out in game one and be slightly timid and and wait for the game to come and wait maybe for the fourth quarter he can't do that he's got to be the guy who comes out and punches and keeps punching and i think he has that capability and i I think that we should see another level of him and that's probably what you're talking about like we've seen like because you know sean you and i have covered so many of these warriors playoff runs we've seen what like playoff level clay thompson or playoff level Steph Curry looks like like there's no question what those guys look they're so incredibly good we've also seen like Clay be able to translate that into like that wild like 37 point uh third quarter right like so there are moments where you see these guys do that stuff in the regular season but we've seen so much of their playoffs that I think like those guys don't always do that every single game they're really really great all the time but there's another level to their greatness once you get to the playoffs. And I was really surprised too. Like, so yes, I think that Fox will have to take his game to another level. We will have to see a different Fox that we've seen before, but it's not about assists. It's not about points. It's about the intensity level that he plays with. And, and I'm, yeah. I, I think that that's there. Um, but I was also like, I was going to bring up, I, I'm really impressed just how good some of the Warriors players have been this year that you almost like forgot about, like, like Blake Thompson, had like an incredible season. I, I think it's something that like he was so banged up last year coming off the two years missed and all the injuries that was it an Achilles and an ACL tear. And then to see what he looks like, he looks like clay every other year. And I think people may have got used to what they saw last year and thought that that was going to be the new clay Thompson. And that's what he's going to look like after injuries, man, this dude hit 300 threes and he averaged like almost 22 points a game. He was incredible. And if the Kings don't take him, like, if they don't focus on him and try to take him away, they're going to get beat. If they don't, like, 
try to slow down Steph Curry and just say, oh, we'll stop everybody else. That's not going to work. Like, this is going to be an interesting series for me. Clay has a really big discrepancy in their wins and losses. In in their wins, it's 24.8 points on 48% from the field, 45% from three. In their losses, it's 18 points on 37% from the field and 35% from three. There, when he scores over twenty five, they're seventeen and six. When he scores fifteen or less, they're four and fourteen. And what I'd expect his, Clay to have good nights. What's his road and home split? Because I'm going to tell you, I bet you that that has a lot to do with what those numbers. I will find that here for you. Um, <laughs> while you're searching for that, uh, I, I will say this: like, there's a lot that for two teams that we've covered pretty extensively, you know, at, at different parts of the past ten years. I mean, obviously. You know, the joke is, you know, when the King season ends, we I end up hopping on the Warriors train and, mm-hmm. and riding that out for as long as it goes. There's only really two things that I'm absolutely convinced of is that this is going to be the most entertaining series of the first round, possibly the playoffs, uh, although I don't necessarily believe that part. I, I think it's going to be the most exciting matchup of the first round. Um, and, and I think we're in for a long one. I, I can't see this being done in under six games. I think it's either six or seven. I, I will say this, guys, just because um, I still haven't even said, and I still don't even think I've landed on a who I like in this series um, because I, I'm leaning more towards Warriors. I know that's shocking. Um, but uh, I, I feel like if this goes seven games, and even though Sacramento, that game would be played on the home court, I don't like the Kings' chances in seven games. So I'm hoping from a from a Kings fan standpoint that if they're going to see success in this series, they have to take advantage early, early on and not let this go seven because you talk about – we talked about playoff experience. That's when the experience really kicks in. And, and that's where the pressure um, sh- shifts. That's shifts, where the pressure, 100%. Yeah, yep. where, yeah, and that's what I would say, Sean, is that like how many times did the, did the Warriors go down 3-1? Like they've been, like you said it early, they have literally been in almost every situation possible. They know. And they also, there will be a game where maybe the Kings jump all over them early and they'll be like, all right, we're good. They'll right. just cash in like, hey, we're not going to fight this uphill battle. We're just going to, we'll say game two, game three, whatever it may be. We'll be ready. We'll be ready. Yep. But especially if they win one at home and uh, at Golden One, if they win one of the first two, the other one, they could just trick off. They could just go, okay, mm-hmm. like, look, we already got our win. We know where we're at. And, you know, the playoffs started. We got a win on the road. And, like, even though they're a horrible road team, I don't know. I don't, Like, this is the Golden State Warriors. I mean, realistically. Brennan? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know that there's much to me about the road stuff when it comes to postseason anymore. Like, I, I kind of – it was hard to differentiate exactly what was going on there anyways, to be honest. Um, when it comes to Clay's home and road numbers, as you asked for, home 24.4 points, 44% from the field, 42% from three. And that number drops about five points to 19.2 on the road, 42% from the field, and 39% from three. So percentage is about the same, but about five points less. Um, that and, and his, his offensive and defensive ratings, do you see that? I can right here. I offensive know. rating, 117.3 at home, 113.4 on the road defensively at home 108 and on the road 117.8 um and to backtrack really quick i uh, to De'Aaron's defense i I think when it comes to steph it's with how much off ball movement there is you're forced to switch a lot against the warriors and it's going to leave some tough matchups 
with Steph. Like he he's going to try to take advantage of a Kevin Herter, a Malik Monk, a Keegan Murray at times. And sometimes those guys are just going to have to be able to hold their own. Um, but, and I think that's part of the reason I agree with Sean that we'll see a lot of three guard lineups, maybe four guard lineups at the end of that game two that these teams played Sacramento was rolling with Fox, Malik, Davion, TD and Mezzi to close out the game. Like we've seen them go uh, with a lot of uh, guards against this team. I think so you can switch pretty seamlessly and be able to get through and around screens. Um, but I think that defensively for De'Aaron, it's going to be about getting in passing lanes. I think a lot of the Golden State turnovers aren't somebody over dribbling. It's maybe going for a little bit too bullish of a pass. And De'Aaron's a guy that should be able to get in those passing lanes and take advantage of that. But of course, it's a fine line where you're not caught out of position if you don't get there. Yeah, and I'll point out too, I saw the Warriors a couple of times go super small. So they go Curry, Clay, Dante DiVincenzo, Gary Payton II, and Draymond. And they go small. And I, like to be honest, I, I don't think the Kings should go small. I think the Kings should, like, should they go three-guard sets? Sure, that's fine. But I think the Kings, like, Sabonis is going to be on the floor as much as Sabonis can, it can be on the floor. That is that is the one player that you have that I think is going to be really, really difficult for them to slow down. And and I think the same with, De, uh, with uh, De'Aaron. Like, De'Aaron's going to be really tough for them to slow down because for as much as we talk about how Steph Curry can just kill you, like, so can, so can De'Aaron, especially with his efficiency. Like, the fact that he shoots over 50% from the field, the fact that, you know, like, his ability to get to the basket, they don't have a natural shot blocker. Um, you know, the Warriors have a, a way of basically hanging tough with you without, like, without having a shot block, without having a natural rim protector. And that's what at least they did last season. I don't know if it's the same. Uh, like, they just haven't been as good defensively this year. But last season, it was like they were one of the worst teams in the league in, in block shots. They And somehow they finished league second in rebounding. And they didn't have, like, like Steph Curry was like their third leading rebounder and they didn't have anyone that was over 7.2 rebounds per game. They do everything as a collective. And I think that that's the thing that the Kings are going to learn very quickly. Like they're going to beat you in different ways than you're used to being beat, which is like Dante DiVincenzo can lead them in rebounding for the whole series. And you've just got to put a body on somebody. You got to know that that's what their tendency is and you got to play it out. And whether the Kings do that or not is probably going to what separates this this uh this series you play pretty similar basketball you know a yeah. lot of what sacramento well, does well i mean there's a difference between <clears throat> having steph curry versus having deer yeah. and fox you know i think that's like the big standout difference to me when it comes to just stylistically what you're watching but like draymond and sabonis are used pretty similarly and it's a lot of running your offense through a big and then a lot of player and ball movement from there. Like, I think that it's going to be an extremely entertaining series. And there's going to be a game where each side just wins it because they hit a stupid amount of threes. I think each team is going to have one of those games. Um, but it's going to be extremely entertaining. I, I think we're in for a shootout. And you just can't be horrible on defense if you're Sacramento. Which two Yeah, two players I'm, I'm most curious about. One from the Warriors, one from the Kings. The one from the Warriors is Jordan Poole. Because we've seen what it looks like when he's on, and then you see what he looked like for the greater part of that postseason last year, and it was really kind of a mess. 
Um, he hasn't had a what I would call a great season by any means, and I wonder what that looks like, uh, particularly in this series where uh, he could ask he could be asked to play a, a quite a scoring role. Um, so that's that's for the Warriors and for the Kings. In my mind, it's uh, it, it, it took me some more time to think about this. I don't even know that I'm all that convinced of it, but uh, I'm really wondering what kind of Kevin Herter the Kings get. Um, because, you know, look, Malik Monk, his, his, he's a streaky shooter. He either has a good game or he doesn't have a good game. Um, he's a little bit of Jekyll and Hyde at times. Um, and Keegan Murray is a rookie in the postseason. You can't trust a rookie in the postseason. Um, but Kevin Herter has been there, done that. He's got the experience. He's played in a Eastern conference finals and, uh, I'm expecting him if I'm the Kings to see him rise to the occasion. I think he has to be a force. I'm going to ask you this. Do you guys think that there's going to be, like, we've seen it so many times, like uh, the the one-on-one thing where the Warriors are able to isolate Domana Sabonis again and again and again. Or, I mean, I think what we've seen them do is, like, isolate uh, Luka Doncic, right? Do you think that they'll be able to do that against the Kings? No. I don't think they. I don't think they can do it against someone like Domas, for example. I think Domas is gonna. I don't think they want anything to do with him. I think they're already chalking that matchup to a loss. I don't know that they can count on Looney to be that type of him between Jamon Green and Looney to be that disruptive. I think they already know that Domas is going to be a problem. <laughs> you know, I think I think that's a tough matchup. But for on them. the defensive side, that's what I mean. Do you think that they're yeah, going to try to isolate him? No, I don't think he's that. Um, I don't think that's honestly where the biggest defensive hole is on the team um i think just outside shooting perimeter defense um that's where that's what's going to really hurt the kings and the the threes have to be fallen and if they can get in the paint and granted you can i think i think they're going to capitalize more so when demonis sabonis is off the floor than on Hmm. i don't think the kings will let sabonis get switched on to curry and sometimes that will lead to its own defensive problems but i think it's more of just kind of being at the level there, letting the guard recover and then Sabonis get away from there. But I I do kind of expect them to switch one to four. And I think we've seen it in earlier games this year. Like I think Kevin Herter is going to be the guy that Curry could look at and be like, I want that guy on me and I'm going to go to work. And it's not typical what people think of with like ISO ball. It's not 10 dribbles. It's Curry gets that mismatch quick within the flow of the offense and then takes advantage of it pretty quickly, or at least attempts to, and then makes a play from there. I, I think Herder's going to be somebody they try to go after, and I think he could really struggle at times. I think there's a chance that it stands out enough or is harming you enough that maybe you need to limit his play despite what he can provide on the offensive end. I think that uh, they're probably going to try it with Malik Monk, and they're probably going to try it with rookie Keegan Murray. I, I totally think that we're going to see that. Okay, so I, I guess I'll flip it then. Is there a player that the Kings are going to isolate on the Warriors and try to abuse? Jordan Poole. Easily. Yeah, I was thinking that. Um, the, Clay? The pot, the, no, because I, I don't think uh, I don't think no one wants to go up against Clay. Even even him not being defensively what he was, I think he's still he's still Clay Thompson, and that's that's I think I think Jordan Poole is the guy to to really attack. And I think they'd really love to get Draymond Green in foul trouble. You want to frustrate him as much as possible. So um, him not being on the floor will be will be great for Sacramento, especially with the way they score the ball. Um, and, and and honestly, like this is like the worst matchup of all the Western Conference teams 
in my opinion, in terms of the way the Kings play offensively, because this is a team that can literally go shot for shot with you and and run about as fast, if not maybe not as fast, not faster, but they can run just about as fast as you can. And and, and if you want to play that track meet kind of game, their game, they're ready. They got a headband on. <laughs> I I agree with that, and I think we've seen it. Like they are so incredibly uh, quick for an aging team, like that yeah. they, they they get up and down the court they're just so smart you know the ball doesn't touch the ground all that much it's just one body to one body to one body in a basket like the way that they're able to like get up and down and and i also like what is it uh like if we look at the pelicans game and then even the first half against denver that was where i think those two moments i saw the the workman like approach that the kings are going to have to take into that series you guys know what i mean well, like they have to have a physicality. They have yeah. to play with physicality. And it's funny because I know we know we, we kind of make fun of how De'Aaron Fox calls his Kings team a finesse team, which they are. Um, the Warriors aren't the most physical team. They really aren't. Um, but they're capable of really mucking it up uh, if need be. And just, again, the, 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 the experience of them playing a game like that and knowing how to win a game like that, that's something the Kings really don't have – much of an answer for they don't respond well to physicality especially when they don't play with a lot of physicality to begin with so I, i'm that's a it's all that's a big question mark hmm. i have a question for you guys all right is kessler edwards part of the rotation in game one i think he'll play Pro- i think there's a chance he plays yeah I, I don't know if he's in the rotation as much as he might come in for a couple of minutes and see how he reacts, you know? Yeah. But I don't, I mean, it's tough. We'll know right away. Like, Mike Brown will make that decision, like, six minutes into the game, and especially if he feels like there's a player that's getting loose that, that they just can't slow down. But that that player, for me, kind of, with this team, I mean, I, I don't know that Kessler is going to be a great matchup against Steph Curry. I think he's going to hit him with, like, the the in and out dribbles and the, you know, the hesitations and stuff and get Kessler in foul trouble. It's Wiggins that I think that he could be really impactful against. And I'm not sure that Wiggins is going to be Wiggins early in the series or in the series yeah. at all. Yeah. Like, I, I, I don't know that, you know, like, where does he fit? How does he fit? Like Dante DiVincenzo is kind of like the jack of all trades running around and doing stuff, but you're not going to specifically put someone on Dante DiVincenzo and say, Oh, we got to stop Dante. Um, and that's not a disrespect to him. I mean, like what he does as a rebounder, as a defensive player, as a guy who plays the passing lanes, as a passer, like he does great things. And he even shot really well this season, 40% from three. He's going to be tough, but the, his spot is probably going to go to Wiggins at some point, or that is what you would like to see if you're the Warriors is for Wiggins to come back and be that, that, uh, third scorer in the starting lineup. And that's like, really, that's a problem. If you look at this Warriors team from the Kings perspective, like there are guys in that starting lineup that you you don't necessarily have to like put someone on and leave somebody on. Like you can double off of um off of off of Looney at times. You can get away from Draymond Green as a as a shooter. You can sag off of him and let him go ahead and try to shoot it. Sometimes he hits, sometimes he doesn't, but like there's you know who their scorers are. Where the Kings, I think that's the one advantage the Kings have over the Warriors is that you have no idea who's 
you know that Fox and Sabonis are going to put up points. They're going to get their 45 points. After that, who else is going to score? And it's someone different almost every single night. And that's where I think the Kings really can can hold an advantage. Um, what do you guys think? Is are, are the Warriors going to try to go small on Sabonis? And do you think that'll work? What is going small? Does Draymond count? Yeah, he's, he's, he counts, but he's he's their I, center oftentimes, so he I, counts. I, I, I think don't that think works he's... fine for the Warriors. I don't think – I think Draymond's a center. Like, <laughs> Right. Right. I also like the, people were asking, do you think uh, Gary Payton will play him? Oh, and they'll, yeah. They'll Gary try Payton's to pester him. Play against Domas? Uh, against Domas? Do you think that's a joke? Be? That's a joke. There's no chance. Yeah, Gary Payton's not guarding Domas at all, but he's playing. Gary Payton's playing that game. He's going to be in the game. Yeah. That's yeah. why they got him. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I watched him play th- a couple of times this week. He doesn't look like he's like in like mid-season form at all like he doesn't look like the the impactful player that we saw last year and it's because he's coming off an abdominal injury and i don't even know if he's 100 percent. so when he's when he's good he's really good yeah. so yeah he's a problem all right um we should get to the business of basketball um i don't want to ask like your picks like Save that for Thursday. Yeah, yeah. I'd save that for Thursday. And I, I don't even know if that, like, because I don't know that, like, I don't know what's going to happen in the series. Like, I, I think that that's the biggest thing. This Kings team has shocked me all season at different points where you're like, didn't see that coming. You know, so I, I'm not just going to say, hey, you know, this is a, a Warriors team that's going to just come in and run them over. Uh, but uh, what do you expect, at, like, that first game? I guess let's start there. Do you think the the Kings will be overwhelmed, or do you think they'll come out and be the team that we saw again against New Orleans, or the team we saw in the first half against Denver? I think even if they are overwhelmed, that they'd be able, like from the jump, that they'd still be able to get back in the game. I think that offensively, like this team just goes on runs, and I think that's the nature of it, especially with how much. Golden State turns the ball over. I think they're 29th in uh, turnover percentage, 30th in turnovers per game. Like Sacramento can totally take advantage of that if Golden State has a couple possessions in a row and you're able to hit shots on the other end in a way that we've seen this team be able to do. You know, like you mentioned, De'Aaron and Domas are going to get their 45 50, but like you see stretches where Keegan Murray hits three threes in five minutes, or Malik can do that, or Kevin can do that. I mean, Trey Lyles can do that sometimes if he's a part of the rotation. Um, so I think that even if Sacramento looks overwhelmed at first, that they'll be in a spot where they at least have a chance in this game. Sean? Uh, yeah. I mean, I definitely think they'll have a chance in the game. I think that I, I think that this is going to be, they're super fortunate that they're opening this series at home. Uh, I think that's really going to be a, a, like a kind of a, a statement made and, um, I think they'll be able to take advantage of it. I'm sure the Warriors are licking their chops at being able to kind of spoil the party. But I do feel like they're going to come out and execute the right way. We've seen this team, what they look like with uh, days to prepare for an opponent. We've seen them what they've looked like in playing teams in back-to-backs. And when they have those quote-unquote playoff moments in the regular season, uh, typically they come out shining pretty good. So uh, I, that's what I would expect. To me, it's a... It's as the series goes on. Let's say the Kings. I'll use the 06 uh, series as an example, guys. Like, 
again, you go back and look at the Kings and Spurs in 06, and I know those are way different teams, but the Spurs had won 60 games plus, you know, the, the Kings barely get in. They go 0-2 on their home floor, or in San Antonio, I should say. They lose our test uh, in game two for suspension. They come back in Sacramento, and they they tie the series. They go 2-2. If you look at the if you go back and look at box scores, and we've said this over the past few podcasts about that series, it's like it doesn't tell the whole story because the, the, these outside of game one this and really the final game, it, it was pretty closely contested series. Um, they had San Antonio kind of shook. That's not going to be the case with the Warriors. Um, I, I feel like they could the Warriors could go 0-2 back to their place and feel just as confident as they do stepping into Game 3 in an 0-2 deficit as they would stepping into uh, Golden 1 Center at Game 1. So uh, I'm curious to see how the Kings deal with confidence. Is there an overconfidence? Do they let their foot off the gas at any point? Do they, if, do they get a two-game lead series? But But – Getting it really back to game one, I think they take advantage of the moment. I really do. Uh, I don't think they're going to lose that game. Uh, I think game two is the one that has a little bit more of a question mark for me, uh, especially given what could be a two or three day lay or a th- possibly a three day, possibly four day layoff, depending on when game two is played. Um, I think it'll be played Tuesday, though. Um, so that does give a few ga- days until uh, game two. But how are the adjustments? Like, what do the Warriors do for adjustments? What do the Kings do for adjustments? How do they play with a lead? Um, but I do kind of feel that the Warriors are going to steal one. Okay. Uh, if I'm answering the question, I, like, I think we'll know, like, Thursday, Friday, and even shoot around on on Saturday who this team is, if they have a shoot around on, on Saturday. Uh, it's a, what, 530 start? Yeah, um, I don't think they will. Yeah, you're probably right. I think that what we've seen from this team, like they really do show you where they are from one game to the next. Like you walk into a, a shoot around and you feel their confidence or their lack of, or you feel a tightness or you feel like they are a team that you get a vibe from, if that makes sense. And if you're at shoot around or if you're at practice, you feel like whether whether they're going to be high or low or whether they're locked in. And I expect game one to be very similar to what we saw against New Orleans. Like they come out, they play their game and you let the chips fall where they may. Like there can be some highs and lows, but realistically when this team is good, they're scoring, you know, a huge percentage of the time, like 60% of the time, 50% of the time of their offensive opportunities are they're putting the ball in the basket they're just an efficient offense, a very, very efficient offense. Um, whether they can get stops or not, you know, I don't know. But uh, the Warriors are a team that, like, they'll have moments where they, they let off the gas and they let you get out ahead of them or they let you get back into a game. Um, and I just I think that it's, it's going to be a fun series. I think it's going to be a really good series. Uh, all right. Do we have any final thoughts? Brian, what do you got for final thoughts? Shout out to the Minnesota Timberwolves for going full Kangs on game 82. Jesus. That was hilariously bad. Wow. Rudy Gobert uh, throwing a punch at his own teammate, which it sounds like Kyle Anderson had a choice of words that were not probably the best decision. And then Jaden McDaniels decides to punch a wall that he thought more had more padding on it than it did Mm. and is out. And those are literally the two guys you'd have guard LeBron and AD going into your playing game tonight. So hmm. tough spot. 
I don't think I've ever thought that a wall had padding on it that I could punch hard enough. To <laughs> I've always thought, like, when people punch a wall and, and put their fist <laughs> through a wall, like, number one, I fixed that hole before, but I also look at, like, what were you thinking? Like, and, like, I just don't know. Like, what, what in the world was Jade McDaniel thinking? And talk about the team you want to face now. Jesus. I don't know if do you guys want to give some uh this is my final thoughts, I think would be a prediction for the playing tournament. I uh Ooh. I think the Lakers take down the Timberwolves. Okay. And they get the Grizzlies. Um and I think the winner between Pelicans and Thunder will be the Thunder. And I somewhat that's what I'm a little torn on. I think I'll go Minnesota, go bareback. I think Minnesota goes and plays the Nuggets. Hmm. Okay. So you have Lakers seven, Minnesota eight. Correct. So Lakers seven, they win, they get, they advance. The Timberwolves then now move into the uh, other part of the playing tournament where they have to play the winner of the Pelicans and Thunder. All right. I agree with your first two games for sure. I think that the Lakers come out on top over Minnesota. That feels like a pretty easy one. Um, although I will say, you never know with any of these. Like, one basketball game can go in any direction, whether shots are going down or not. Um, But I'll pick Lakers over Minnesota. I'll also pick OKC over New Orleans. I I don't think they have the same sort of uh, pressure on them. I I think that a lot will depend on Valanchunas, actually, just because OKC doesn't have much size at the center spot. But I'll go with OKC. I think that they're talented enough to be able to pull it off and have less expectations. And then I will pick okc over minnesota hesitantly i don't know who is slowing down what second game would come down to okc in minnesota right yeah yeah uh, so I'll, I'll pick okc there because i don't know who's slowing down sga so that's okay and i think that's just going to be a total shootout between those teams yeah. because you could say the same thing about cat and gobert on the other side when it comes to okc um but Toss-up, I, I think. I'm going with SGA. I'm going completely off script. Here we go. I'm going to say Minnesota beats the Lakers. Pelicans oh. beat OKC. Oh. Pelicans beat the Lakers. Lakers out. OKC out. Okay. How about in the East? I'm going to go. I got the Heat over the Hawks. They yeah, go and play the Celtics. Right Just so you know, Hawks are up 15 at halftime. Oh, are they? Well, shows you. Yeah. I don't even have it on right now. I'm still picking the Heat because I had a bet with somebody. Um, so I'll take the Heat, and then the Hawks will get the Raptors. And I think the Raptors will beat the Hawks. So I'm probably completely wrong there. Okay. So, oh, so it it's today. It's Hawks Heat. Oh, so I'm gonna go Hawks and Heat make it over Raptors. Oh no, I like the Raptors. Who do the Raptors play? Raptors Bulls. play the Bulls. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I don't trust the Bulls. I'm going, I'm going Raptors over Bulls. I'm going Raptors over Heat after the Heat of lose to Atlanta. All right. I'm going weird. What do you got, Brennan? I'll stick with the Heat over the Hawks, even though just because that's 15. what I picked earlier. I admittedly now would go with the Hawks, but I'll <laughs> stick with the Heat because that's what I would have picked previously. Um. And then, what was the other we said? Uh, Chicago and Toronto. I'm going to go with Chicago because of the shot making. I think Levine and DeRozan can carry you to a win in one game. 
but after that, I would go with Atlanta. I think their guard play can can carry them in that one. Yeah. Um, all right, Sean, final thoughts? I think those are my final thoughts. I'm just so glad that, that Kings fans get to experience this again. I'm glad that uh, Sacramento is going to be represented on national TV and not like the quasi-national TV, not like NBA TV or even – a cable network. I, I think it, it means a lot that it's going to be on broadcast television on the ABC um, game. And, and, and that's just what a moment for, for Sacramento. So I, I'm, I'm hoping that hoping we have emails soon to say that, Hey, where all the watch parties are at and making Doko look like Jurassic park. Although I don't know that that's going <laughs> to really happen. I, I don't know. I hope it does, but we'll see. All right, my final thoughts. Number one, the A's are the worst team I've ever seen in my entire <laughs> life. They came in today two and eight, uh, which puts them on pace. If my math isn't like off for like thirty-two or thirty-three wins on the season, um, that's not good. Uh, historically, horrendous. Uh, they had a seven to four lead. They just gave up two run homer followed by a solo shot, so it's now seven to seven. They came into today with a 198 team batting average. 198. Like they, as a team, are below the Mendoza line, which, of course, uh, Brennan Mendoza, we can get into later, like who that is. Sure. Um, but, uh, yeah, this is this is not good. The the A's are, are horribly bad, and, um, yeah, I don't know how this is going to end, like this whole entire season. Uh, but outside of that, yeah, I, I'm just super excited for for Kings fans to experience experience this. I'm excited for my my son and my wife to go to a game and experience the playoffs. Uh, my son has not got to go to the playoffs, and if he did, he was an infant. Um, but uh, yeah, like this is a it's a big deal for Sacramento, and I'm excited for everybody to get to experience it. And I'm excited to experience it at Golden One and experience it from a media perspective, which I haven't got to do. Uh, I'm excited to see Brennan experience and Frankie Carcelli and uh, Matt George and a lot of these guys experiences that haven't got to to be part of this uh, ever or, you know, or at least in the in the time that they've covered the team. I think it should be a good time. Um, I think this is going to be a really, really interesting series. And and the other thing is, like, if you thought I was disrespecting the Warriors, I, I wasn't disrespecting the Warriors. Oh, here we go. Again, nothing but like I. I've always been impressed by them and I compare them to a lot of other teams. And I think that they're, they've been great. They've been great to watch all the way through these last eight years. It's been a privilege to, to get to cover them. And, uh, and just because I say that their offensive rating was lower than the, the Kings, it was, I mean, so it is what it is. <laughs> uh, all right. That's going to do it for this edition of the Kings beat podcast. If you're still watching and you don't mind, give us a thumbs up. Uh, give us a rating and review. Subscribe. Subscribe to the King's Beat. Jump on board with a premium subscription to the King's Beat. We're growing like crazy as playoff season's coming. It's been a lot of fun. We'll have a happy hour soon. We're going to try to fit it in either in the middle of the playoffs here or right as the playoffs end, whenever that might be. Uh, but uh, if it looks like the Kings are going to make some wild run and we'll be going at it for a while, we'll try to fit one in soon. Um, so for Box 40, Sean Cunningham and... Brendan Nunes from the Kings Pulse podcast. I am James Ham, Kings Insider for ESPN 1320 and the Kings Beat. See you later this week.
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.